Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. That's all I'm doing. I'm just giving you the truth. I can sit up here and lie to you if you want me to just tell you, man, man, they almost got it last. It was close. I mean, can you just say, though, that the Steelers are a really good team? The Steelers are a good team, and okay, the Steelers so handled their business, but the did? Giants didn't show me anything that would give me hope and promise that they're going to be successful a little bit this year. Okay. That's all. I'm not – certain teams, man, you could tell they're not going to be very good. Like, I, I, now, I the, now the argument on the, on the front pages of the newspapers and the Internet sites is going to be which team is worse, the New York Jets <laughs> or the New York Giants. That's what it's going to be. I feel, like, I feel like the Jets are worse. Okay, see? I and like the, the Jets Jet fans worse. probably feel like the Giants are worse. That's fine. I mean – Because the Jets probably feel like their who, quarterback who, who, is better. Whose defense would you say is better, the Bills or the Steelers? Who would you say is a better football team? So the two opposing Ooh, team, teams, team the Jets wise? and Giants. Yes, over the I'm going to take the Steelers team-wise. Okay. all right. Defensive-wise, so, so, I'm still probably going to lean heavy on – Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That I'm part, probably still going to lean heavy on the Steelers defensively. Okay, that's what I'm saying. That front seven's tough. It's really tough. So if, if there's a barometer to measure against, I'm okay with where we are competing against that team defensively. Now, we'll see how we do on week two. But that can give us more insight to the story. Yeah, week till they take on the Chicago Bears. Welcome back to Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. We're coming to you live from which Brother quarterback Heineken, is better? Oh, River Depp that. at Pier Seventeen. <laughs> I'd like to say the Yankees will help New York fans feel better, but that's not the case either. They're sitting in the seven spot right now in the American League playoffs. We'll talk baseball a little bit later. Let's bring in ESPN NFL insider Keep Dan Graziano, who joins us on the <laughs> Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Premium Plus Gasoline. Uh, you know, Dan, earlier this morning we were just talking about it is just one game, but it's such a big, important year for Daniel Jones and for the guy that drafted him, Dave Gettleman. Jay made the right point. The talent gap between Pittsburgh and New York is pretty vast. But what do you think last night did to Dave Gettleman? What do you think he's thinking this morning? I think the Giants saw more good than bad from Daniel Jones last night. I actually think Keyshawn's being a little too grumpy with regard to the young man this morning. I, I, I mean, it was a 19-play drive that ended with a disastrously bad decision and a disastrously bad play and throw by Daniel Jones. But prior to that, I mean, he's showing toughness. He's converting third downs. He's operating at a pretty high level on a night when his superstar running back has got nothing going. So if I'm Dave Gettleman and I'm a Giants fan this morning, and if I'm, if I'm Jay Williams, I'm sitting there thinking, I, I like what I saw from Daniel Jones. We know coming into the season that he has got to fix his turnover issue from last year. Didn't fumble last night. That's a positive. So I think you can take some positives out of it. I, I don't think if you're a Giants fan, you can realistically look at it and say they should be toe-to-toe with the Steelers or they're going to be a 2020 contender. You've got to come out of this year feeling good about Daniel Jones. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for uplifting me today, Dan. Keyshawn over here trying to beat me down with negativity, just trying to come hard. I'm trying to see the positives. Go ahead, Keyshawn. But before I ask you this question, Dan, I'm just going to turn to Jay and say, you know there is such thing as adjustments, and once they figure you out and they start dialing things up from a defensive standpoint, they do some things to you. So the early success that he had, they needed to get adjusted in week one to what he was doing. But anyway, Dan, let me ask you this question. OBJ was traded by Gettleman, and obviously things have not gone great for him in Cleveland. What do you make of week one and everything that's going on with him in Baker Mayfield now? Yeah, it, it was ugly. There's no doubt about it. I mean, talking to some people in Cleveland yesterday and asking sort of what do you think went wrong, you heard a lot of the Ravens are really good, which is true. 
Uh, and, and, you know, you have a new coaching staff. It, it's, I was looking, it's Odell's sixth year in the league, and it's his fifth different head coach. So, obviously, adjustments all the time with him. Not that you want to sit and make excuses. You don't. I mean, you heard a lot of things in training camp about how great he looked and how he's all in. And then, you know, there were mistakes that he made in terms of drop passes. Baker Mayfield played a very poor game. Uh, so, obviously, that's got to get better. Fortunately, they have three entire days to get it all right before they have to play again uh, Thursday night against Cincinnati. So, we'll see. If they look bad again, if, if the Baker-Mayfield-Odell-Beckham connection looks bad again Thursday night against the Bengals, then I think there's reason for concern. But I think when you're playing the Ravens uh, and, and it's the first game of the season, et cetera, et cetera, you might might be able to say, let's, let's take a step back and say it's, the only, it's only one game and, and it's against the, maybe the best team in the whole league. Dan, take me down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians made comments the other day about, uh, obviously, their, their quarterback, Tom Brady, not seeming comfortable. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I doubt they make a move at quarterback anytime soon. Brady's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably going to have a long leash. Uh, so, yeah, look, I mean, Bruce Arians is, Bruce Arians is not – uh, somebody who sugarcoats things, right? He's not going to stand up. He's not going to do like the Andy Reid thing where you ask him about a player and, and Andy says, oh, we just got to coach better. And, like, that's not going to happen. He's going to answer your question, which is someone in my line of work, I find it very refreshing. Uh, I'm interested to know how Tom Brady and Mike Evans and, and uh, Donovan Smith and all these guys that he had critical things to say about in yesterday's news conference are taking it. But obviously Bruce thinks this is the way to coach and it's worked for him uh, to this point. Look, this is new. Brady in Tampa Bay with these guys is new. The protection wasn't great the other day. There are going to be adjustments that he's going to have to make. I think anybody who thought they were going to just drop Tom Brady in this and it was going to be smooth sailing from week one, I think that was far-fetched, especially with a shortened offseason, shortened training camp. I mean, the NFL is obviously tough, even if you're Tom Brady. So I think it's, it's fair to assume that there's going to be some time to adjust and uh, – Ideally, they'll look better than they did Sunday. Evans, I think, will get healthier as we go along, which will matter for sure. But, uh, yeah, they have some things to figure out the protection because if that's no good, then you know Tom's going to be as annoyed as, uh, as Bruce Arians is. Dan, Eric Reed called the NFL social justice campaign half-hearted at best. Uh, what reaction have you heard around the league about the Kaepernick Reed showing up in the, the video um, about social justice? I think, you know, it, there's, it's a varied reaction depending on who you talk to. Obviously, there are people that will tell you that what the league is doing now is, uh, is an effort to make up for failings in the past in terms of the attention they paid to what Colin Kaepernick was trying to get across four years ago. And I, I think to some extent the NFL has admitted that. Uh, and, but I could see, you know, Eric Reed is, is rankled, Colin Kaepernick is rankled, and understandably so. These are guys that feel like they're being excluded from employment in the league as a result of the stances they've taken, as a result of how outspoken they've been. Uh, and, you know, they're, I'm not going to comment on how those guys feel or whether they have a right to feel that way. I don't know their experience. I'm not in their shoes. But, uh, when you, yeah, when you talk to people around the league, it, it, there, is, there is some sense that, that the NFL is trying to make up for mistakes and errors of the past maybe thread a needle right now in terms of, uh, of what they're trying to do on the, on the social justice front and bringing attention to it. But I, I think there's, there's little doubt that the league has decided to go sort of all in that way at this point, whether it makes up for perceived slights and past wrongs against guys like Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick is a different topic. And certainly uh, you can make the case that, um, that what they're doing now doesn't. But 
you know, I, it's a touchy issue for sure, and you hear a lot of strong opinions on both sides. No mm-hmm. question about it. It's a very delicate thread indeed. You could see more with Dan and his NFL insights coming up on Get Up, 8 a.m. Eastern over on ESPN with Greeny and the gang. Dan, thank you very much. Real quick key, I just wanted to mention for those that may not be aware that we're watching the games on Sunday but weren't there prior to the games, that images of Eric Reed and Kaepernick were shown at wow. each stadium and before the games on Monday Night Football on a video board to essentially say that the NFL and their social justice campaign includes Kaepernick and Reed. Kaepernick came out on Sunday and essentially said, don't put me in that group. And then Reed essentially did that himself yesterday. Yeah, it's just, it makes me smile, that's all. Okay, fair enough. I think we know what you can I really want to go in on this, but we don't have enough time to do that right now. But we should. We will find the time if you guys are that passionate enough. So hang tight. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about it because the guys clearly have some things they want to get off their chest. Still to come, they say the Yankees own New York, but baseball's newest owner-to-be is looking to flip the script and turn the sport upside down with what he might be able to do, financially speaking. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I thought Great breakdown, okay. Keith. <laughs> Barry Melrose has nothing to worry about. Barry's okay. Yeah. Great breakdown. <laughs> yeah, Barry Melrose can keep his job. Tampa's got a 3-1 lead in this series. Tampa's been the best regular season team in the league now for the last few years, but they just haven't been able to get it done in the playoffs. They're one win away, and they would face the Dallas Stars, and that would be the Stanley Cup final, unless the Islanders want to pull a comeback for the ages. Speaking of a comeback, the Titans driving late last night in Denver on ESPN's Monday Night Football Steven Goskowski kicks a game-winning field goal from 25 yards out after missing three field goals and a PAT. Laces out. <laughs> whatever works, whatever works. 16-14, they get it done over the Broncos, who are getting crushed for their clock management, keeping a couple timeouts in their pocket. They only had 17 seconds when they got it back. And what are you going to do with just 17 seconds when you could have preserved some time by taking some timeouts on defense? And the billionaire Stephen Cohen has reached an agreement to buy a majority ownership stake in the New York Mets. This is the best news Mets fans have heard in decades after the previous ownership has not exactly done wonders, the Wilpon family. He's a hedge fund manager. He's a longtime Mets fan, a native of New York. Major League Baseball owners still need to approve it. You need 23 of the 30 to do it, but that appears to be a formality. This was Cohen's second attempt to buy the team. The first one fell through. Then you might remember A-Rod and uh, Jennifer Lopez got involved. But at the end of the day, it wins out. For Stephen Cohen, he will soon be the new owner of the New York Mets. Keyshawn, what, yep. What do you think he was saying? His wife comes out in the backyard, <laughs> says, hey, babe, what are you doing? 
I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what to do with a few billion dollars. I, you know, you it's know, a Tuesday. I hear this team, the Nets, the, Nets, uh, the Mets are trying to sell. What do you think? Well, I, I don't know. What, what do you want to do? I, you know what? Let's just buy it. For, we don't have anything else to do. Let's cheer for our team that we've been. Why not? Let me call, call Jack. Transfer funds immediately. Yeah, yeah let's just. Here, hold on. <laughs> Let me do it, BSL. Yeah, like, like, think about that, though, man. What, what, I just, man, obviously, I don't know what it feel like. I would love to know what it feel like. We but all just would. sit back, right, and just be like <laughs> out on your deck somewhere in the Hamptons, I'm sure, his big old house and yachts and all that. And he's sitting back, and he's just probably like, hmm, do I really want to buy? What? You know what? Let's do it. Let's just do it. Well, the next time you run into him in the Hamptons, you should ask for like a small minority stance. <laughs> let's, let's just do it. I think we're going to do it. That, let's just do it. How rich is this guy? Jeff Passan, our ESPN MLB insider, was on SportsCenter yesterday with our Ryan Smith. And just take a listen to the number of zeros and commas here. Talked about the $14 billion net worth that Steve Cohen has. Only one owner in all of sports, not all of baseball, all of sports, and that's Steve Ballmer with the Los Angeles Clippers, has a higher net worth. The New York Mets could turn into the financial powerhouse that the New York Yankees and Los Angeles Dodgers have been with this deal. And considering all of the financial difficulties that the Wilpon family have had over the last few years, this is a godsend to New York Mets fans. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Get your quarter. My new best friend. You know, I was going to say, that's <laughs> like that Chris Rock joke when he's like, um, Oprah is rich. Imagine if Oprah woke up one day with, uh, or imagine if Bill Gates woke up one day with Oprah's bank account. He'd be like, what? No, Bill Gates is wealthy. That's Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen is wealthy. Athletes are rich. Steve Cohen is wealthy. And for those that may not be aware, listening outside of the New York area, where this has been a big deal for a really long time, the Wilpon family, uh, Fred and his son Jeff, have owned the team for many, many years, and they were swindled heavily by Bernie Madoff in a gigantic Ponzi scheme that really put the organization back several years. So when you hear Jeff Passan just talking about the financial difficulties, when you're going up against the most powerful unit in all of sports, arguably with the Yankees on the other side of town key, it does seem like Passan said an absolute Hail Mary to use a football term to have somebody like this come in who loves the team as a kid, is willing to spend, and wants to win on the biggest stage in all of sports. As long as he gets out of his own way, right, he doesn't become Dan Snyder type meddling and everything in the front office. Hire the right people and allow them to do the baseball operational thing and put the right people in place and spend the money. Don't be afraid to spend the money because you're going to have to spend money to be competitive. There's no question about it. I mean, yeah, you could take the, what the Marlins did many years ago or the Devil Rays did many years ago, or you could spend the money like the Yankees and the Dodgers and stay on top all the way around, which I'm more of spend the money and stay on top. Just feels like every time you say Dan Snyder's name, you really have to clarify what your analogy means. Well, that's why I tried to. I said, <laughs> said, you see what I said? Meddling around in the football stuff. Yes, yes. I, I cleared I, it up. I, I wanted noticed. to make sure I that. Noticed. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that I'm not putting Mr. Cohen in the same conversation in box on the outside football stuff that's going on with the Washington football team. More so. Daniel Snyder meddling of the coaching staff 
in the football players in picking the players. Now, am I clear on that? You're very Jay clear. Way to tighten up, brother. Way to tighten up. Point guard with the assist. Just yes. protecting Just you making there. sure that I get the, that I get my three off. Two rich guys, two guys that grew up fans of their team because Snyder grew up a fan of the Washington football team for years and years before buying the team at around the age of 40 or 41. Cohen, obviously. Is and that's all bit. they have in common. Now we can move forward. <laughs> that yeah. should probably be it because I don't think anybody wants What's to What's with the head? No. I don't know. It just happened. I just said it that way. On a more serious NFL note, since we were talking about the NFL, the word diabolical was used, and that's a strong word. It was used by Eric Reed, who's still looking for an opportunity in the National Football League. He looked at the NFL social justice campaign this weekend, Jay, around the league and called it, quote, half-hearted at best. If you were at any of the uh, stadiums on Sunday, and that's like 0.1% of the population, but if you were watching on TV like millions were, uh, there were some videos that were shown for social justice at all the stadiums on Sunday and during Monday Night Football that included Colin Kaepernick and Eric <coughs> Reed. In those videos, Kaepernick took offense to being portrayed in those videos, essentially saying, if you're putting me in them, you're aligning me with the NFL social justice campaign. And he's been speaking for himself for years. Reed came out with a tweet yesterday and called the NFL out for doing it as well. We were talking about this earlier. You had some extremely I just hear it in your voice. I just yeah. heard it in your voice. Go ahead. Well, first off, the NFL should not use his name and likeness if he does not give them permission to. I don't know what their CBA states key would have more insight on that. But we were talking before about relating to clarity. And one of the things I wanted to clarify is growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood, I've never heard any of my black friends, and they've been very (laughs) educated people, as the black national anthem. So the way the NFL has marketed the black national anthem, I think, is a major problem that continues to perpetuate what the issue is that's happening right now currently within the climate of our country. It's never been called the Black National Anthem. It's been called an African-American hymn that's used to uplift people during a time of slavery. Okay, it's lift every voice and sing an African-American hymn. But by pushing out collateral, stating it as the Black National Anthem, it creates the same situation that we saw multiple teams not decide to come out and stand for. Right. Because now what you've done is you put players in really difficult binds. It puts them in a conundrum. Do you stand for one? Do you kneel for the other? People are labeling that. And then you have a lot of people that are saying, well, we only have one national anthem and we do only have one national anthem. Now, that anthem stems from racist racist terms. It's factual. It's understood. It has evolved. People are owning that. But I don't want to get into this thing where it's the black national anthem versus the national anthem. It's an African-American hymn that was used during a time of slavery to uplift people. And the league has an obligation and a responsibility to market it that way, to market it that way and not continue to perpetuate the issue. I know they're trying to do right, but sometimes you miss out on details when you're trying to do right that are huge details that continue to cause more problems. I I understand where Eric Reed is coming from. There's no question about it, Z, that they probably – missed the mark on using Kaepernick's image. I mean, you wasn't using him for the past several years in anything, right? You didn't even want to show anything. It was highlights. They were scrubbing uh, him. Scrubbing him. Basically, when the the 49ers went to the Super Bowl last year, they showed highlights of, like, Steve Young and Joe Montana, but they wouldn't show highlights of Kaepernick. So it's kind of like, why even play that game? You're playing games – and so now you have Eric Reed coming out and getting at you for playing games. Now, Eric Reed was just in the league last year and was big time for the Carolina Panthers. I don't know why he's not in the league right now. I don't know if he's 
demanding too much money or people think his play has slipped, which clearly his play didn't slip. So that's a question mark is why, why is he not playing? Like he's one of the better defenders that's out there in free agency and he's not on the team. Carolina Panthers actually signed him to an extension a couple years ago when he got back on the team, Marty Herney signed him to an extension after they originally signed him. So it's, it's interesting to see. Um, I'm sure we'll learn more about this as time goes by, but it's interesting to see. It really is. And also, you know, Josh McCowan, who's my boy, came here, worked at ESPN. He, he signs on a deal, uh, with the Eagles and he still have cap who's out there who doesn't have a job. Like that, that's, yeah, it's that. right in your face, but yet you're going to use collateral to market about standing up for the right thing. And I know that the league can't force teams individually to hire cap, but understanding Josh McCowan, I know that he's a, look, he's a great guy to have to be ready, but still like when you see that, you're like, wow. Okay. Okay. Josh McCowan, 41, I think he yeah. is 41 years old. He's at the crib. Played on a ton in of teams. He's at the crib. Laying in Texas. If the Eagles get Getting ready. Yeah. He'll be there. I got Getting one more thing for you. Nice Sorry. check. No, I'll say. Zero-sum game. Essentially, it's a binary choice. Mm-hmm. Unless Cap gets back in the league, can the league in any way say they have done enough for social justice? Does he have to be back? They could do a million things, and Eric Reed could be back in. They could t- give you a ton of money, all the community stuff. If he's not back... Is their words worth it? They can do everything well, I, else the, the, under the sun. I, I will say they can't control what individual teams do. They can't mandate teams Correct. to hire somebody. But so they certainly could have influence. They can have influence. I, I understand. But I, I also don't want to get into this. If cap isn't back, then the league can't do enough for social injustice. The league can continue to do a lot. For social injustice. Do more. Unfortunately, within the black community, that's how people are going to look at it, though. I know a lot of people are going to look at it that way. It doesn't, it doesn't make, not saying, you know, that one is right, the other is wrong, but it's just that's, that's where we are currently as a society. Do, he, do I think he's going to be back in the league? No. 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 He will have essentially sacrificed his career for this cause and probably is going to end up being bigger for it. What, what is it, six? How long he's been out now? Six years? Yeah. So, come on. Seriously, I mean, uh, they don't six years. They're getting ready to let seven go by, and then you know. So, and I'm sure, I'm sure inside he feels good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Cap feels fine, just the way it is. Yep, he did settle with you know, the league I, financially. I, very quickly, I know it's a random off-subject comment because we're talking about a lot of this, but I do want to give prayers to the family of the two police officers that were randomly shot the other day in so Los like, Angeles. Yes, and and that's not there is n- no wrong. No wrong is correct. Yeah, both, no are ex- wrong. both are expected to survive. There is a $150,000 reward waiting for the shooter to be found. So great point by you, Jay. There are best to their families. Key's real rankings, which are really different than all the other power rankings you'll find anywhere else <laughs> that you are. He'll tell you why his rankings are so different and who made the biggest jump after Keyshawn saw everybody in week one. That is all Ooh. coming up after SportsCenter. A chippy from 25 on the way and splits the uprights like he's been doing it all night. Love to see it, though. Steve Levy calling the game with his tongue planted firmly in his cheek there on ESPN's Monday Night Football. Yeah, it was a 25-yard chippy, but Stephen Goskowski missed three field goals and an extra point. Still, 
The Broncos' ineptness allowed the Titans to roll to a 16-14 victory down the stretch late in Denver. Some questionable clock management from Vic Fangio and the Broncos. They'll be talking about that on the Mile High City on Sports Talk Radio all day long. We're not going to have to wait too many more days for more football Thursday. Bengals-Browns, they of course share a division with... The Steelers, who kicked off our ESPN Monday night doubleheader last night with the win over Jays Giants 26-16. Saquon Barkley had the worst game of his young career. And a great footnote here, Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, earning their 116th regular season win together. They walked off the field together last night on ESPN. That 116 matches Dan Marino and Don Shula for third most by a starting quarterback head coach duo in NFL history. Anytime you're there with Dan the man and the late great Don Shula, you know you're in great, great company long day for jay big night in the nba he'll be let's part, go he'll be a part of the double dip tonight clippers nuggets Ooh. the winner in game seven jay gets the lakers the nuggets are looking to be the first team in nba history to overcome a 3-1 deficit twice in one playoff season if they get it done tonight lebron awaits and then heat celtics before that 630 eastern both jay on espn sports key. center jay sports center key <laughs> lakers minus i mean clippers minus 7.5 it don't matter minus 7.5 i'm taking it <laughs> jay will caesar's william hill I'm all together it. is one sports center is brought to you by shell get more time to listen to our show by going to shell and getting three things done at once first fill up with shell v power nitro plus then save up with the fuel rewards program finally snack up to save even more at the pump make the most of the stop you need to make with shell I'm the smartest guy in the box, so I like that too. Key's Real Rankings. That music means just one thing. Jay's clapping. We're getting ready to talk football. We're at the South Street Seaport Studios. If you're watching this morning on ESPN News, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. More football talk with London Fletcher, former great, great defensive stud with the Washington football team. He'll join us at 9-10 a.m. Eastern. All right, so everybody's got a power ranking. Everybody's got their own rankings. What makes Key's real rankings different from everyone else? Well, because I'm actually looking at football, not statistics. I'm looking at the team and how they perform in week one, week two, week three, and thereafter. It's not necessarily on the win-loss columns. It's on what do I think they are and how far do I think they're going to get when the season ends. And one other thing that makes your rankings unique, it's not like the top five or the top ten, it's the top six. Yeah, it's top six. That's <laughs> another one. Top six. You can sneak on out in there. Let's start with number six. Number six. Patriots. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. Okay, is, is, do you feel like the talent you have here is good? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. Patriots at number six. Well, they are at number six, and they they climb in. They were not at number. They were not in the top six last week. But watching Cam Newton and watching what they're doing in terms of the offense, not only the offense, there was a lot of question marks about the defense and whether or not the defense was going to live up to expectations, given the fact that six starters off that defense exited out. So here you are with the Patriots at number six, Cam Newton at the quarterback position. Bill Belichick did a terrific job getting Cam ready in week one. Sunday night football, they got Seattle. We'll see if the Seahawks, I would imagine they'll show up somewhere in Key's real rankings. We'll wait to see. What's up next? Number five, Packers. R-E-L-A-X. Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, where are my wide receivers? All I did was throw four touchdowns to them. And when you look at what everybody was talking about doing the draft, Jordan Love selected in the first round, no receiver selected for Aaron Rodgers. All he goes out in week one is torch the secondary of the Minnesota Vikings. And you say, what? 
I need receivers. No, I'm going to ride them all the way on my back back to the NFC Championship game this year and hopefully the Super Bowl. Might be headed back to the AFC here. Number four. Ravens. I think proof to people that you were throwing the ball that you Probably not. <laughs> not bad for a running back. The Ravens stay at number four, right? They were number four in my rankings last week. They don't move at all. And people say, oh, man, they, they, you know, they got Lamar Jackson, high-flying offense. The one thing that Lamar did display in week one is that his accuracy is there pinpoint. He led the charge not only on the ground but also in the air. This team is for real. Kansas City is going to have his work cut out when they face them in several weeks. Not only that, they'll probably see them again in the AFC Championship game. So the winner of this game, I believe, will have the inside track to the Super Bowl. That'll be week three, Monday Night Football, Mahomes and Lamar on ESPN. Can't wait for that. Number three, a nepotism alert. Yes, that is correct. It is a nepotism alert. When I say who are we, you say Saints. When I say are we ready, you say how. Although New Orleans and my nephew Michael Thomas did not have a great game, they still got away with a W against Tommy Boy and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you look at Alvin Kamara, I think I got that right. You did. Uh, <laughs> when you look at some of the things that he was capable of doing and lifting this offense along with Drew Brees and just getting things going, it felt good to see them off to a fast start. They're going to be for the long haul along with the next team that I have in this power ranking. I don't think we're going to see Tommy Boy at any point at two or at one, but we will see the team from the Pacific Northwest. Number two, Seahawks. Everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah, you got to be Unlimited. Well, that was corny, Russell, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, when you when you think about it. <laughs> Wait, what? what was corny, it? That was corny, Russell. <laughs> that was extra corny. I love Russell. No, wow. Russell's good. That's why <laughs> I can say that about him. But when you look at Russell Wilson, a guy in this league who's been in this league has never received an MVP vote at all. There's 19 other players since he's entered the league that has received MVP votes. When you look at what he did against the Atlanta Falcons, he went out there and single-handedly beat the Falcons all by himself as far as I'm concerned. He's going to be the MVP if he continues at this pace. And Seattle will be playing in the NFC Championship game and possibly the Super Bowl. Speaking of a former MVP, MVP in a Super Bowl before the age of 25, this team led by this guy. Number one. Chiefs. How about those Chiefs? This is easy. I mean, you, you can't take them out of the number one spot. Obviously, they went out, took care of business on Thursday night against the Houston Texans, both defensively, offensively. Patrick Mahomes didn't have huge numbers, but he was very efficient. He put the ball into places where only his receivers could catch it. He'll too, he, too, will be in the running for another MVP, along with Lamar Jackson, along with Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton. Those guys right there will all be at the end of the season talking about MVP status. And that's Key's real ranking, your top six, and we'll see what happens. At what this about time. my Titans? How could you leave the Steelers out? What about the Buffalo Bills? You're blind. You don't know anything. Check your Twitter, Jay. I'm sure all that's going to be on there. I don't need to check Twitter. I'm good. <laughs> anything about his rankings? Obviously, I know, Jay, you watch the league as closely as anybody. Anything with I'm just uh, curious where, with Key? Where, where Key would have the Steelers, considering how stout their defense was the other night. Granted, I mean, what they were able to do is Saquon Barkley. I mean, that looks like, and, and with the play of Big Ben, it looks like they might belong in that top six. Well, when, when you look at 
the fact that they played a – But you can't fault them for who no, they played. No, I, I understand that. But when I look at the other six teams and some of the teams that they played, they had a stiffer competition. Yeah, but the Patriots played the Dolphins. Yeah, but the Dolphins beat the Patriots at the end of last season and knocked them out of the number two seed in the playoffs. Therefore, they didn't have the road and in track to the Super Bowl. So when I look at that, that matchup for Miami is tougher with a new quarterback and Cam Newton, not knowing what you're going to get out of Cam and the New England Patriots. So they they squeaked into number six. That doesn't mean that they're going to be there next week. They may go to Seattle and get shellacked. Hmm. Now they're out of there and Pittsburgh is in because Pittsburgh takes care of business next week or Buffalo takes care of business. So when you look at it, remember, it's just my eyes and what I'm seeing about teams that can move forward opposed to statistics or 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 they really are, are, are 10-0. I mean, you may look up and there may be a 10-0 team that's ranked fourth in a, in a, in a 7-3 team ahead of them because of the competition that they play. If you're, if you're wondering, the Steelers got the Broncos coming up on Sunday on the short week for obviously both of those two teams. Still to come, the Clippers are on the verge of history. Sure, their first Western Conference Finals. If they get it done, huge Game 7 tonight on ESPN. But the Nuggets are on the verge of doing something nobody in the history of the NBA has ever done, and they're only 48 minutes away from making it a reality. What is it? We'll tell you. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We got an NBA double dip tonight. Jay, you're going to be right in the thick of it. Celtics, Heat, that'll be game number one, 6.30 Eastern on ESPN. Either it'll be maybe the Lakers key in the Celtics again in the NBA Finals, or maybe, maybe LeBron taking on the Heat. That would be juicy as well. Ain't no be no maybe. Ain't going to be no maybe. The Lakers are in it. Unless the Clippers or Nuggets want to do something about it. We'll get Jay's thoughts on it. sure is confident. Big game seven, very confident. Lakers are in it. (laughs) I hear He said maybe. Lakers and Celtics. I'm like, no, maybe Celtics. Lakers are in it. Nothing to talk about. Got to have two to tango. He's got the Lakers in. Clippers Nuggets tonight. They'll go at 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to get Jay's thoughts on what he's looking for in this all-important Game 7 with the Nuggets looking to become the first team in the history of the league to come back from 3-1 deficits twice 
in this uh, same postseason. They did it against Utah. If you guys go back to last year, they took out San Antonio in seven. They lost to Portland in seven. Then this year, they defeat Utah in seven. What happens in game seven tonight? The Nuggets have been living on the edge for years. Mike Malone knows people like Key. They know the Nuggets are always treated like that underdog. This is going to sound really funny, but I, I almost feel like we're the bad news bears. You know, and I'm Coach Buttermaker. You know, we're a team that nobody really looks at and takes us seriously. And, and our guys, I think, have taken that personally. Uh, and, and we all say that we don't listen to it. But obviously we do listen to it because we talk about it. Uh, but we don't believe it. I think that's the important thing, Kay. We don't believe in what we hear. And we feel we're just as good as anybody. We feel that we're an NBA championship caliber team. Uh, by the way, the Bad News Bears, maybe he was confusing them with the Denver Bears, which was a minor league baseball team uh, out in Denver. That's not what I'm thinking. If you're too young, IMDB that. The Bad News Bears is actually a great flick uh, for the family. Big spot tonight, Game 7, Clippers, Nuggets. What are the most important things to watch? Here? Well, the major headline is that this is the exploitation of Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell. So if you notice, you know, the Nuggets have came back down 15 in the game prior, Game 5, down 19 point, down 16 in Game 5 down 19 points in game six. Game six on the second half run, they're going to 64 to 35 run. 64 to 35 run. You know how they do it, Zubin and Key? They keep involving whoever Lou Will is guarding, they involve him in a ball screen. And he is left on in no man's land. Jokic has been doing the same thing. That All these sets that they run for Mike Malone, Mike Malone runs for this team, they get Jokic involved in so many screens, they constantly are putting Montrez Harrell who is guarding Jokic in a help-like position. And Jokic is getting wide-open three-point shots. The schemes that all these guys are running right now are brilliant. When you think about the coaches who are left, Mike Malone, brilliant schemes. Eric Spolstra for the Heat, brilliant at schemes. You think about uh, Brad Stevens for the Celtics, brilliant at schemes. All these guys have great schemes. And what they're doing is Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell are struggling to be on the court down the end. And the Denver Nuggets are taking advantage of it every possession. And, and Jay is right about that. I think when you look at Lou Will and, and Montreal, you you got to think that they're there as a second unit to hold that lead. And that's not the case. When you got a guy like Kawhi you can't, and PG, you can't expect for them to just play from beginning to end. When they come off the court, you've got to sustain what you have. He mentioned 15, 16, 19. That's a lot of points to surrender and expect to hold on to and expect to hold on and win a game. Now, tonight, if they mess around and the same thing happens, then you will be seeing Denver playing the Lakers in the Western Conference final, which I would smile to. I mean, I'm not afraid of the Clippers or nothing like that, but at the end, you know, the easier path is the better path. Real quick, we should mention Lakers Nuggets 2009 Western Conference Final. So a decade later, they might meet again. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Goodyear Movement, always driving us forward, whether it's on the track, on the court, or on the field. Every move we make, every road we choose to go down, and every single mile marker we pass leads us to just find out how far we can go. Goodyear, more driven. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And to Jay's point, second unit extraordinaire, Montrezl Harrell, was the... Sixth man of the year. Lou yep. Williams has won that award before. So they certainly have a lot of firepower. Well, Patrick Beverly fouled out the last game. So uh, that was critical for Doc well, Rivers me, and that team. What's, what's the Help me with the – what's the, the guard? Not Patrick Beverly, but the other guard. Um, Landry Shamit? No, gosh. It's the guard. Lou Will? The, not Lou Will. Come on, Jay. Help me here. Uh, the, the point. That we backing up Patrick Beverly, they should actually be playing more. That replaced him when he fouled out. Oh, that was, I mean, Lou Will's in the game. 
No, it was not, it was the other god dang it. I can't think of his name. It, I drew a blank, but you're gonna Reggie find Jack- it. You're Reggie, Reggie Jackson, Jackson. My Reggie bad. Jackson, Reggie Jackson. He should be playing more. Mm-hmm. They should actually have him on the floor more, in my opinion. And tell me what you think about that, Jay. No, no, you're right. You're right. I, look, I, I could think of his this, name. I no, it's all good. It happens, man. We got a lot of names. We're covering a lot of different <laughs> sports. It's fine. I, I think one of the things that happens is, you know, Reggie, I don't know if Doc believes in Reggie offensively down the stretch to make those decisions, mm-hmm. right? Because Lou Will is such a bona fide scorer. So, but what happens when you have Lou Will on the court? Look, this is what the Lakers did every time they matched up against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Whoever was guarding LeBron James... You know, whoever's regarding Lou Will, they would say, hey, come over here and set a screen. They would force Lou Will to switch. That's what teams are doing. But you have to have Lou Will in the game offensively because he gives you so much boost that he actually gives lanes for Kawhi and PG to drive and help because you can't help off him. But even when I'm up 19, I'm up 16, I don't need to have Lou Will in the game at that point because I can have Reggie Jackson in the defense so that the league is not being squandered away. That, that that's just me. I'm not a basketball coach, but just from my eyes looking at it and have played a little bit of basketball, it seemed very realistic. Now, here's what I would say about the Clippers. The Clippers are doing the Clipper thing. They always get to this they they never gotten this close, right. but they always make you heartbreak, right? They get there and in the end, something goes wrong. Whether it was when they had Blake Griffin and Lob City going on, it's just like I, I, you know, I'd love to see them advance. But this has got to be nerve-wracking and a lot of pressure on Doc's brain to try to navigate this sort of, we're up 3-1, now all of a sudden we're tied at 3-3 and the littlest mistake could cost us and we may never be back in this position again. I will say the the one game-changing thing for the Clippers is you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard who's been in Game 7s before, who understands the severity of the moment, who I really think will step up in tonight. I really think we'll see the Clippers play with a sense of urgency. If they get a double-digit lead, I don't think you're going to see them give it up this time. Look, they should have won that other game by 20-25 points before they took their foot off the gas. And Vegas always knows something about these games. I mean, they're minus 7.5. Clippers minus 7.5 in the Game 7. That's going to be interesting. Very interesting indeed. Still to come, our Paul Feinbaum is here, and he'll discuss the biggest story that's rumbling under the surface in the world of sports that's ready to explode if a group of 14 people will let it. We'll talk about that at the top of the hour. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.